0: Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Eric Martell on the call, and Eric, I really appreciate your time. But before we kick things off, I want to make sure everybody has your contact information, including a link to your book. So if everybody goes and checks the show notes, you'll find a link to Stop Trading Your Time for Money. And that, that title says a lot. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. But uh, also uh, where you'll have a great consolidated uh, place for all of uh, Eric's list uh, links to his social media his podcasts and and a few other things his U- YouTube channel. There's a lot of great content there as well. So, really appreciate your time here, Eric.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Jack. Pleasure to be here.
0: So I we're not we don't have a ton of time here today. Uh, you know we try to keep things in, in a reasonable amount of time, and there's a lot to cover here. But before I do, you know, before we get deep in the weeds, you know, what caused you to decide to write this book?
1: Well, I think we're heading towards a major, uh, financial crisis again. It's a retirement crisis this time. Uh, I mean, we are looking at the, uh, people that are the Gen Xers, the generation that is about to, that are about to go and retire in the next five, 10, 15 years. They have saved $135,000. That's the median retirement savings for these groups and they're going to retire in 10 years um, so if you look at that and you look at the uh, you know what uh, the, the, the Wall Street is telling these people how much they need in order to retire uh, uh, to retire uh, securely they need between 1 and 1.5 million sometimes two million dollars in savings in order to retire so there's a big gap there between 135 thousand dollars and 1.5 million dollars in retirement saving and um, so this is uh, one of the big reason why i i wrote this book is that there is an the 401k is is one good tools to you know to save some money but there is a better way to save for retirement and prepare for retirement is to basically uh is rental properties that's that's the best way to invest uh and then make sure that you achieve financial freedom and are able to retire securely and leave a legacy for your children. And my book is really about that. It's a how-to guide for achieving financial freedom and leaving a legacy for your children.
0: Yeah, and you you got started in this pretty early on. I know you bought your first multifamily at the age of 18, right?
1: That's right. So, yeah, eight-unit apartment building. But when I bought it, I mean, I was 18 years old. So I was not thinking "Oh, financial freedom or, you know, I want to be <laughs> I, I want to quit the job I never had. Uh, so um, so that's that was the plan at that point is that I had met this uh, this uh, mentor, as this real estate investor, and he was just a regular uh, community college teacher. Uh, nothing special, no special abilities. He was not smarter than anybody else. I hope he's not listening because he's, he might be insulted. But um, he was just an average guy making average very average salary. And then he managed to build a 36 unit apartment building. He was building a shopping center. He invested also in nursing homes, and he was financially free, and he was able to. He was. He still taught at the community college, uh, but he didn't have to. And uh, so when I met him, I said, "You need. To, you need to teach me how to how to do this." And uh, this apartment building, it took about almost a year to get that from from point zero to having this apartment building, and finding it and negotiating the financing and all that. But it proved to myself that it was possible for me to, uh, as an 18 years old, or as a normal individual with no money, I was able to buy something that was had a positive cash flow. Right. So that was, and that really affected my perspective on, and my relationship, I would say with, uh, how, how to earn, earn money. Yeah. You know,
0: when you think about it, you, you kind of, you were lucky in that situation, learning that lesson so early on in life.
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah. I knew like my, my parents were kind of like, like most people, right. They were just like working nine to five. My father was literally working at a factory and then, um, you know, like paycheck to paycheck, there was not much uh, savings to uh, for retirement or anything like that. The good thing that he had working for him is that the company provided for him uh, what's called a defined benefit pension plan, so a corporate pension plan with guaranteed benefits at retirement. So that was the nice thing, the best thing that he had going for him. And but when I when I um, Saw my parents; they were working hard and all of that. But I knew that this is what this was not the life that I wanted. I wanted more, uh, <clears throat> and I wanted to have more freedom. I, I didn't want to be like super rich or anything like that. I just wanted to have my time, and I wanted to be able to enjoy life. And then, if I wanted to buy something that I needed, I didn't have to save for six months in order to get it so i wanted to have that that level of freedom and that's what i'm hoping that i can help people with with my book sure
0: so you know you probably came with a a, a bit later on in life too with a different perspective because i understand you were an actuary at one yep. point as well so talk about how that has framed things and and how it maybe influenced your book
1: yeah, I mean, this uh, This really, when I started working as an actuary, so an actuary for people who don't know is the, is the mathematics of financial risk. And I worked for a consulting company. <clears throat> and we were working with employers with their pension plan. So you had to kind of calculate their pension plan and then make sure there was enough money in there for uh, their employees to retire, you know, 20 years, 30 years down the road. So that's what I was doing. And then there was a shift at one point where the employers decided that, uh, you know what, this is like, every once in a while, they had to write a check for like, you know, millions of dollars because their reserve was in deficit. So they had to say, okay, well, we need to put like, now all of a sudden I have to put $2 million or $10 million into that retirement plan. And what happened is that employers decided that they didn't want to do that. And they said, well, instead of doing this, we're just going to close down the pension plan. We're going to convert that into basically a 401k, <coughs> a re- simple retirement savings plan. And that really shifts the burden of retirement from the employer to the employee. So now the employees are re- become 100% responsible for saving, 100% responsible for investing that money so that the um know they have enough at retirement and a hundred percent responsible for converting these savings at retirement into a stream of income and uh, i don't know that many people who know that uh, who know how to do that right I, i know that my father wouldn't have been able to do that and i know there's tons of other fathers out there and mothers out there that are working that they wouldn't know how to invest in the stock market to make sure they have enough money at retirement, and that they they would know how to convert that savings into a stream of income. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was the big challenge, and I and I knew that this uh, it was not a positive environment to work in when every day I would just kind of like wind down and close down these the pension plans, and then I knew that I was shifting the risk to employees that you know they didn't know how to plan for retirement and be ready for retirement.
0: Right. No, I mean, what a unique perspective. I mean, you actually saw, that's probably when you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are going to have to save upwards of $2 million or more if you're a Gen Xer uh, to retire. Uh, yeah. That that was probably that big first insight that, that a lot of people aren't hitting that mark.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and the, the $1.5 to $2 million is actually coming from Wall Street. They want you to save money. Uh, the more money you save, the more commission they make, the more, uh, you know, so the more fees they make and all of that. So that's good for them. If you invest in rental properties though, and if you invest early, you don't need that much, you don't need that much money. You need a lot less than that. And, um, so you, but you need to change your goal. Uh, Wall Street wants you to have this accumulation kind of like mindset where i oh, save, save, save. You want to have more savings. You want to have more, a bigger stock portfolio. And what I'm, I'm uh, suggesting is that people focus into a more cash flow kind of mindset where you focus on passive income. And what that looks like is that instead of me saying I want to have $1.5 million in saving, I'm saying I need... $7,000 or $10,000 a month in passive income. Mm-hmm. And I can start working on that today, I can buy a rental property today, put 20 $30,000 down, and I'm going to make $250 a month or $300 a month in passive income. So already I can kind of like I can see the progress. And it's a completely different mindset where you really focus on that passive income and you just keep adding layers and then uh, until you reach your goal.
0: Sure. So, you know, um, another thing, since you started to invest so early on, you probably rode the wave too regarding the, the dot-com bust as well <laughs> as the real estate downturn. Yeah. Like, how do you, I think, you know, let's, let's be frank here. I don't know about you, but when it comes, we've we've heard that we're going to see another real estate downturn. Turn, I mean, it's just a recurring thing year after year. We keep hearing people saying that this is going to happen again in some in some fashion. But um, uh, things are, seem to be a little questionable right now <laughs> regarding a few things. Mm-hmm. What what yeah. do you, based on your experience, what do you what do you what are <laughs> your thoughts, and how should people prepare?
1: So, uh, yeah, so I think for 2000, like if we go back at 2008, what happened with the big financial crash is that a lot of people that were owning property were, uh, they, they shouldn't have owned property. They were lent money that they knew that the bankers, the brokers, everybody knew that these people could not afford the house when the interest rate would go back up. Right. so they were given this these loans at very low rate, and then you know for like uh, the end that was adjustable in two or three years, and all of that came to uh, to a peak, and then now and now they realize that oh yeah I can't afford the house anymore, you know. So we're not in this situation right now. I think we have the people that own the house, they have the loans, uh, they are they um, you know they are. People that can afford a home, uh, they may have some, uh, stressful or distress in terms of, you know, they lost their job or something like that. And then all of a sudden they can't afford the job, but there's also like forbearance. So the banks are and the banks and the governments are helping to make sure that these people have a, a way of, um, you know, either continue to pay for their uh, delay the payment of their mortgage and then renegotiate their mortgage or do something like that, or have assistance from the government or have a way. Uh, you know, some people would also have to have a way out of that real estate. Uh, but I don't expect any kind of like big adjustment like what we've seen in, um, in 2008, uh, like the massive foreclosures or anything like that, I think there will be some that will decide to, uh, you know, that they they can't afford the house and they have to move out. Um, But I don't think it's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be a big thing. What we're seeing right now is a big increase in uh, in value of the properties. And, um, and I think that's what's going to happen is that this may go down. So we may end up having some people that are going to be underwater. Uh, so basically their uh their mortgage is going to be higher than the value of uh of their house but you know if you continue to pay your mortgage you can also renegotiate with the bank it's not as big as um, bad a situation as it was in 2008 i don't think
0: sure so again just to remind everybody marteleric.com um and i'll make sure to have that link in the show notes but also check out uh Eric's a YouTube channel, as there's a lot of content there as well. So let's let's get kick, let's get uh, people kickstarted here. Where should they start, in your opinion, in real estate investing?
1: Yeah, uh, so for me, like, I want to go back also to 2001, the dot com crash. Before we before we get sure. there, because that was really when it, um, you know, it's really I really decided at that point, like, I lost like a lot of money. <laughs> I lost a fortune in that dot com crash I had stock options in companies and I was trying to uh, to invest in real estate at that point but and I was in San Francisco and there's really nothing that made sense that was cash flowing with good returns so I stated I was diversified but I was diversified in the stock market and when the whole stock market crashes it you know this is not diversified so it's very important to diversify to diversify across multiple asset class. So if you're, if you want to continue to invest in the stock market, that's great. But you should definitely consider investing in other asset class like real estate, which is kind of like where, uh, where I'm heading is that if, um, what is the best investment? Uh, if I had to start with like a blank canvas or a blank uh, whiteboard, a piece of paper, I would look. What are the criteria for the best investment? Well, I want something that use leverage. I want I want to put as little money as I can and, and control a big a big asset. Uh, I want to have something that's going to cash flow. I want something that's going to appreciate. I want something that's going to offer me some in uh, some uh, inflation protection, and uh, I want something that I don't have to spend too much time on it. Right. So that it's going to produce the cash flow, but I don't have to, you know, so it's passive income. And I might as well, I want to have something that has like a great tax benefit. Mm-hmm. and uh there's only one asset class that's like that and it's real estate it's real estate rentals uh, not your own home your own home doesn't have these things but if you buy a rental property then you have access to all these benefits um you know so you have definitely a lot of tax benefits in terms of depreciation that would offset your your uh, your income you can use leverage, you can use it It appreciates uh, its inflation protection, because the rent that you're charging can increase with uh, with inflation. Uh, so it's tons of benefit. And if you have property management company on top of that, then you don't have to spend too much time uh, managing these properties. So that's, this is why my recommendation is, uh, is rental properties. And you can get started with as little as twenty, thirty thousand um, $30,000. You know, to, to buy that uh, a single family rental. And I know, I think you have some most of your listeners, I think, are 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 they in the in the in the coast, New York, or East or West Coast? Nope, they're across the United States. Actually. Uh, across the United States, okay. Yeah. So because if you're on the coast, like this is, you would say, ah, oh, you can you can buy something for thirty or thirty thousand dollars in uh, down payment. People can't believe it, but uh, it is possible. And we invest in in Memphis, in St. Louis, and uh, Cleveland, and we can have these properties. We have these properties uh, there every day.
0: Yeah. So you're pretty much advocating then that you tip technically don't even have to invest in your backyard
1: absolutely not and i think you you uh you want to invest where it makes sense so you want to live where you want to live and you want to invest where it makes financial sense this is absolutely critical and um that's i was in san francisco i mean it's a it's a good market but uh for some investment strategy not for cash flowing uh if you want to have passive income this is not the ideal place for that if you want to have something that cash flows that means you're going to have to put 60 50 percent of uh, down payment in order for it to cash flow but then obviously your cash on cash return is going to be two two percent maybe one uh, return so that's not that's not a very good return um, but when you invest in in cleveland i mean our investors that are buying our turnkey rentals they are uh, they're getting 10 10 to 12 percent cash on cash return
0: Sure so you just mentioned that uh, you provide turnkeys
1: yeah that's right so yeah my other company is Martel turnkeys so we do uh, sell turnkey rental properties to uh, to investors but my key—I mean, I don't care if people buy from me. I think you, you, sh- people, everybody should invest in single-family rental or multifamily rentals, and um, because that's for all the reasons that I mentioned, why this is such a the perfect uh, investment vehicle.
0: Sure. Well, another thing that you pointed out that you 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 suggested, and I think your your book has a great title: "Stop Trading Your Time for Money." A lot of people who go and in get into real estate investing, especially that first time it's almost as if they've created a, themselves another job. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, how important is it to keep that property manager type of, of uh, situation yep. in place right off the bat?
1: Yeah, people tend to, there's a couple of things. I mean, people tend to kind of like invest in things that based on returns, but they should also look at the resources, It's good to, you know, there are some ways to make very good returns, but you have to invest a lot of time in it, or you have to invest, you know, a a lot more money into it. And um, so you have have to look at your resources. If you're working full-time, continue your full-time job until you reach a certain level of passive income. Once you have about 80% of your expenses are covered by passive income, then you can consider kind of like quitting your job, if this is something you want to do, you don't have to if you enjoy your job. But you know, then you can consider, okay, well, I want to spend really more time with this, I want to kind of slow down my my w two job, my nine to five. And I want to really focus, I really enjoy real estate or this other investment strategy, and I want to spend more time on that. But for most people, the idea is that keep your job, focus on strategies that are not going to require uh, that much time uh this is why the property management is important this is why it's important to invest with uh like a turnkey rental property so you don't have to deal with with contractors making sure that you're in the right market make sure that you have the uh that you're actually getting the rent that you you thought you would get and all that kind of stuff so turnkey it's already done i mean the properties that uh, that we sell they, they already have a tenant in place. So you know exactly what you're getting. So all the numbers are there. And, um, so, you know, there's, there's no risk at that point or it's very little risk. And, um, it doesn't take much time. We introduce you to the lender, the insurance company, property management company, and it's literally turnkey and you're cash flowing from day one.
0: Yeah. It's kind of interesting you say that you even have a tenant in place because I've, I've found that turnkey rent, uh, property places, uh, they, they're all over the place, including, you know, I've seen some that will source the property and then you have to pay for the rehab and, and get it all going. And and then they finally get the renter in, but you're, you've kind of taken care of the heavy lifting for a lot of people.
1: Well, exactly. Because I think we're catering to the people that have a full time job, they don't, they don't want to deal with the, the, uh, the construction and the contractor and all of that, they don't want to have to find another an, an tenant. Um, so we want to make sure we're the expert in the market, right? So we should, we should know that it's gonna, it's gonna rent, we should know what the rent is. Uh, and then, because the, the tenant is in place when we close on the property, then we kind of like, you know, we've closed the gap, this is like truly turnkey. And there's no, uh, there's no unknown, there's no surprises, in terms of the uh, for for the buyer for the investor. Because I know yeah, we had similar uh, stories. we heard similar stories from other investors, when they come to us, they say, Oh, you know, I was with this other company, and it took me like three months to uh, to rent the place you know so it's like so that means that you calculated your return based on on uh, you know having 12 months of rent this year but now yeah. you have only 9 months of rent and you have to pay these fees so yeah
0: right you know uh, so uh, how do you source these properties and and that's probably going to be a great example of if somebody wanted to attempt th- this themselves in their backyard uh what are some of the better approaches to yeah. to locate some of these properties
1: so I mean, we, the best approach is to use all approaches <laughs> to use them all. So I uh, MLS, we still find lots of properties on MLS. So we have like safe searches on MLS. That's kind of like listening, um, sending us some listings. Uh, we also use wholesalers. So we have a bunch of wholesalers that are sending us deal. Uh, I also have my own like wholesaling company called rocket offer O F F R dot uh, com. So they're also sending us deals. So they have like a search engine and AI engine that uh, helps us source deals for us, and then have a good relationship with uh, some realtors on in your market. Um, and, um, you know, just very good relationship that they send you uh pocket deals, things that are completely off market that nobody knows about. And uh, if you're easy to work with, I mean, we have these realtors just calling us, imagine you're a realtor, you get a call from somebody that "Hey, I want to sell my rental property. and say, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to call Eric and say, hey, I have a house for you? Okay, you're gonna buy it? Okay. Or do I want to uh, start typing it on MLS and then answering phone calls from random people? Yeah, obviously, the option. <clears throat> option one is the best, they're just going to call their preferred uh, investors and say, Hey, I have this house for sale. They don't want. They don't have to do any of the hard work, and the house is sold. They make their commission and all of that. So that's uh, developing a good relationship with the the realtor is, uh, is very important.
0: Sure. So with your turnkey properties, what have you found are are some of those things that uh, you that would typically be uh, problem areas that you t- you take care of right away to make sure it's a good long term rental.
1: So the, we take all the big all the big ticket items. So anything that's mechanical, so the HVAC, the heating uh, and air conditioning, hot water tank, uh, any kind of uh, major problem on the electrical, the electrical panel roofs. Um, so, so we take care of those. So we don't necessarily re, uh, re, replace them with new items Sometimes if there's a it's fairly new, and there's like still an ex, uh, like at least 10 years. Uh, then we're going to keep keep the unit in place. But uh, yeah, that's basically it. So we want to make sure that all these things are going to be taken care of. And then after that, it's just a question of cleaning up uh, and uh, painting and flooring and all of that. So that the unit looks nice and clean for the new tenant.
0: So, you know, I want to back up on one thing, because, uh, you know, I, I really like the, the title of your book, but you mentioned you know, saving two million dollars versus uh, figuring out that you what you might want seven thousand to ten thousand dollars a month in passive income, and uh, that is a mind mindset goal change that really seems to impact a lot of people. If you can shift your mind from sa- trying to save that amount of money to uh, what you need on a monthly basis, that it, it makes something that sounds insurmountable more relatable.
1: Absolutely. 100%. And this is exactly you're looking at these goals. And then, you know, look at my example of uh, the person that's like 50 to 55, and is about to retire, and he has $135,000 in saving. And now he's talking to his financial advisor, who is a salesperson uh, is gonna say, Oh, yeah, you need to have uh, $1.5 million in, uh, in savings to retire. So what does he do? Like, is he gonna to try to save one point five million dollars? No, he's just gonna give up and uh, and say, oh, "I'm just gonna work till I die," kind of thing. So, uh, which is kind of uh, you know, yeah, which so is kind of like the default plan, I think, for a lot of people, and even the millennials, they're thinking, they they know they're gonna to have to work longer, they they're planning to retire later. Um, so, you know, and, I, and there's another, there's another option out there and that passive income goal. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it makes it so much more tangible. I know that my, and it's connected with my expenses. I know that I spend like $5,000 uh, a month, let's say, uh, th- these are my expenses with my rent, blah, blah, blah. Then I start building layer after layer, you know, 250, 500, a thousand dollars a month. You know, after four houses, I'm already covered 20% of my expenses. You know, I just need, you know, a few more houses and then all my expenses are covered. Mm-hmm. So this is so much more, seems so much more achievable and you can feel the progress as you're progressing, you know, you can feel the change. You can see that you, and you're going to get also more, um, uh, more out of it as well. So you're going to feel a sense of accomplishment as well. Something that you don't get when you're $1.5 million away from uh, from retirement.
0: Yeah, no. and And what I think is really interesting too, is that we as a society have gotten trained, if you will, to just passively throw money into a IRA or or what have you, a retirement account of some kind, without any control over it, we just kind of yep. throw it in there and, and trust it's going to happen. Well, you've just demonstrated it likely will not happen if you don't take some sort of control over it. Mm-hmm
1: exactly people are putting money in there and they don't even know how that's going to be converted into a stream of income at retirement so i mean there are typical ways to do that Uh, i don't know if we have time but i mean there's one of them is the bond ladder for example well bond ladder when the interest rate is two three percent it doesn't make sense bond ladder is basically a series of bonds with different maturity date uh, that used to be very popular uh, when the interest rate was normal now with a low interest rate like this it doesn't make any sense to do that uh, the other one that's talked about quite often is the four uh, percent rule the four percent asset withdrawal uh, method but that assumes that you are investing in the stock market actively or semi-actively and that the stock market is going to continue to grow at you know more than four percent per year there's going to be some years where it's going to go down. And um, so, you know, in those days, you're going to have to eat up some of your capital. So it's not going to be that good. And um, so, and then we left with uh, annuities, which is probably the worst thing that you can pick. Uh, They have massive fees. They have like layers after layers of fees and the payout. If you put a million dollars in there, once you, take all the riders that make sense, in terms of uh, survival, uh, uh, 100% survivorship, and indexation, and all of that, you're going to end up with a payout of about three to 4% per year. So if you put a million dollars in there, you're going to get $40,000 a year in uh, in payment, that is not much. And then if you die too soon, then you're like, there's nothing left for your legacy uh for your children after that and we're left really with um with real estate real estate rental is um uh, is the best way to do it and you don't need as much money as uh as people are thinking so for example that the the five thousand dollars a month if you have five thousand dollars in uh, dollars a month in expenses a cash flow uh, so you need about if, if a house cash flows for 250 dollars a month so that means you need about twenty houses to to do that, and twenty houses at twenty or 20000 dollars is only four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in in savings in money that you need in order to get this twenty uh, these twenty houses that will cover five thousand dollars of uh, of expenses. This is, mm-hmm. this is much less than the 1 million to $1.5 million that people are talking about. Right. So there was a lot of numbers. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no, no. I think it's an exercise. A lot of people have to go to through, including yeah. taking a moment and, and writing down exactly what your expenses are. So you have a clear idea as to what you need to cover. I, mm-hmm. I, I frankly don't think a lot of people do that. That's and, true. um, you know I, I think my listeners are tired to hear me saying it and until it's written down until you go through those type of exercises, that's that's when a dream becomes a target. you need you need to define that target.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you need to figure out if you if you're big on 401k and you think this is the way to go, figure out early how this is going to be converted into a stream of income. And the earlier you figure that out, the better you're going to sleep at night, and the better I will feel personally. <laughs> but you know that this is the thing that you have to figure out because otherwise, it's not the. Uh, if you want to go with the 401k, if you want to go with uh, same thing with rental properties or any other investment, figure out how this is going to help you achieve financial freedom.
0: Well, Eric, I want to remind everybody one more time: it's MartellEric.com. Uh, definitely check out the YouTube channel. And I know you're on Facebook and Instagram and, and a few mm-hmm. other places. So if somebody has a preferred network. Um, but before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today?
1: No, I think uh, I think you've asked all these questions. But I think what's important is th- this at focus on achieving uh, financial freedom. That should be everybody's number one goal. Uh, especially as we're going into this uh, gig economy and these challenging times, uh, I think this is, a, you know, and the best case scenario is that you're going to retire securely, and there's an even better scenario is that you might be able to retire earlier than your, uh, your what you expected to retire.
0: Well, I really appreciate your time. This was this was a great conversation. I hope you'll consider coming back sometime.
1: Absolutely. Have you learned at least one actionable step
0: to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.